Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. I've really begun letting that song run its full course at the beginning of these shows. You guys got to hear the voice at the end. It doesn't really, I guess folks listening uh, after the fact probably don't get quite that same experience, but uh, that's okay. We're all we're all good here. Uh, happy Tuesday to you all. Hoping you make this a twofer. I think we'll have a buy low show this afternoon if everything goes according to scheduling plans. This, of course, is our Monday recap show. I am Dan Vespers, and this is Fantasy NBA Today, a sports ethos presentation. Find me on social at Dan Vespers, or just Google search Dan from Sports Ethos or Dan from Hoopball, our old name, uh, and you know include the word Twitter probably in there somewhere, and we'll pop right up. Sports Ethos on Twitter is at EthosFantasyBK. The website is sportsethos.com. Make sure to check them out as well. They've got amazing, amazing stuff going on over there. Uh, and obviously this podcast is one of those amazing stuffs, he said confidently with his hands on his sides. You all may have been wondering where the hell was Dan yesterday? On Sunday, I did yesterday's show which I actually think went relatively well. I'm not going to have time to do that every Sunday, but if there's an opportunity to do so, it makes some sense. The only problem, of course, is that most weekends we're not going to have all the games done by Friday night. Most of the time, if I'm doing a Monday recap show or a recap show on Monday, we're going to need to wait until the stuff happens that ends about Sunday, to about uh, give or take a few half an hours around 8.30 Pacific time. Which, for those of us who have multiple children in the house, you guys are fully aware, I talk about that all the time. That's not exactly a great time for me to try to pop on a live show. That's right around kid bedtime. Anyway, yesterday, why the hell was Dan? Why didn't you do a show? Why would the schedule all cockamamie? Uh, well, my uh, seven-year-old had a birthday in mid-November, and we asked him, okay, you got a choice. Do you want to do a birthday party? Here's the... And, of course, my wife and I are, like, cringing at the idea. Not that we don't love throwing our kids a birthday party. It's just that he has friends from elementary school. He has friends still from preschool a couple years ago. He has friends from a baseball team. We have, I have about 45 cousins in Los Angeles. And so, you like, you're always at the risk of excluding someone. And then you got to invite the kids' parents because they're not old enough for this, for most of them to just drop their kids at a birthday party these days. That'll be at some point relatively soon, and that'll thin out parties a bit. But right now, all of a sudden, now we're talking about, I don't know, 40, 50 kids from all these different walks, all these different universes. Then you had the parents, then you had the family, and you're talking about like an 80 to 100 person party in our apartment courtyard. So we're offering that to the kid. My wife and I are going, please, Lord, don't pick this one. Your other choice, we said, young man, is you pick your best friend, and we take you both to Disneyland. We leave your little brother at home because we don't want him slowing you down. This is your day, and thank the good Lord, kiddo picked a day at Disneyland. But of course, that meant trying to figure out when it might fit. Well, he hadn't missed a single day of school the entire year. School started in August. We're four months in. Kid hadn't missed a single day, not one I mean, he had a cold or two in there, but he just powered through it, took some nasal spray, and boom, off he went. Tough little customer. So he missed his first day of school the entire year yesterday because uh, mom and dad took him to Disneyland 
And it was pretty awesome, actually. This is one of those things you learn as your kids get older. When you try to take them to an amusement park and they're like three, it's a little bit fun, but mostly it's just exhausting. Now, I'll admit, I'm completely cooked. My legs, my hips, my back, all parts of me feel like I just ran a marathon. I think that's what it feels like to run a marathon for a normal uh, fit individual. I'm not one of those. By the way, I don't care if you guys are sick of these stories at the beginning of the show. I don't do these very much anymore, and today I just freaking felt like it. So... Too bad. I'm going to get some thumbs downs on today's podcast, but whatever. Uh, So it was really cool. We got there. We had to drop uh, our younger son off at preschool, and then um, the nanny slash babysitter picked him up and took care of him all afternoon and evening. But that also meant that we got a slightly later start than we wanted to, so we didn't get there till like 9 o'clock, which anybody that's a a Disneyland enthusiast is like, no, you got to get there at opening because that's when there's like... 80 people in the whole ballpark and ballpark somebody's got sports on the brain the whole amusement park and that's when you can just run on to whatever ride you want to run on because by the middle of the day it's nuts just throngs even on a freaking weekday a school day i don't know how these other all these other people were there their kids only hadn't missed a single day in four months fie on them i say uh, my seven-year-old is also a little bit of a thrill seeker, which was a good uh, a good bonus, which meant that he picked a friend who was also one. So they wanted to actually do the rides that are kind of interesting, even for adults. So that was really cool. Uh, personally, I'd never really done the Star Wars land. I know it's been up for, open for like three or four years now, but like how, many, how often... I know I'm from Los Angeles, but how many times you actually go to Disneyland? It's freaking expensive. Um, Star Wars land is pretty cool, actually. Did Rise of the Resistance ride for the first time. That was kind of mind-blowing. Uh, so that's why everything yesterday was was gone. There was just no way I was going to be able to do anything from Disneyland. Uh, and by the time we got home, we were all just completely destroyed. So this morning, I was able to go through, uh, research all the stuff, get everything kind of resituated. That's why the treat storm didn't come until this morning on social. That's why the show isn't happening until uh, like an hour later here. So apologies for the slightly later release. That's what was going on with Dan and family yesterday. Let's do some fantasy basketball today. It's time. We've waited. You've, we, we've all waited long enough. Let's talk about everything that happened on a wild Monday. I'll give you a quick little Tuesday preview, but frankly, uh, almost everybody played yesterday, so we'll, uh, we'll cover almost all of that. Um, Indiana beat Detroit. 131 to 123. Also, Amir asks, did you hit Space Mountain? Absolutely. That was what my kid was lusting for, was Space Mountain. Because we went one other time while he's been alive, and he was too short for it. They they actually recently lowered the height limit on Space Mountain, but we couldn't tell him that because then it was like, well, what are you waiting for all this time? Uh, Loved it. Loved it. I, uh, I forgot how fast some of these things go. You start to get older and your your equilibrium's not as good. I'm sitting there going, oh my God, I'm going to jelly leg these damn things. And my kid's just like grinning ear to ear, eyes as big as the sun, his hair's blowing back. And dad's like, uh. <laughs> All right. So anyway, Indiana beat Detroit 131-123. Benedict Matherin had a mondo game off the bench. 30 points, seven boards, eight assists, and a couple of steals. He's going to get grabbed in a bunch of leagues and I'm here to tell you that even though he's the cover art for today's podcast I am not adding him after one big ball game I would love it 
if Matherin somehow turned into this majestic scoring beast. But here's the thing. He's starting behind, or he's playing behind Obi Toppin, who's the starter. Toppin was uh, fine. Like, he wasn't bad in this ballgame. Matherin went nuts. And so that just meant that he took Toppin's minutes. But on any given night, that flips back the other way. And most of the time, it's been Obi Toppin lately. I would like to see this happen at least one more time before I make a move on on Benedict. I get it if you want to try to get out in front of it. I just feel like we've sort of seen enough of a body of work there to know this is not a thing that happens every ball game. And if it starts to, then we change our stance. We were wondering after the injury to Marvin Bagley well, how the Pistons would handle the uh, not really having any competent centers left. And the the answer that we expected was also indeed the one that happened, which was that Isaiah Stewart shifted up to play the five. I know he didn't do much in this ballgame, but if he's the center on this team, he should probably be rostered. We've seen it a couple of times, pockmarked over the last, you know, whatever it is, year. When he gets to play the five big minutes, the rebounding numbers go up. The defensive stats typically are a little bit better. He didn't have any in this ballgame, but the field goal percentage is usually a little bit better as well. That probably is enough to get Isaiah Stewart over the streamable cut line. He's not a, not a juicy option, but he's also not really a bad one anymore. Asar Thompson slid back in to play power forward, so he's, uh, at least for the moment, I guess, back out of the doghouse or whatever you want to call it. Does he have enough adrenaline to kind of rev it back up again? Might as well add if he got dropped. He probably was held in most leagues. I thought he was going to be a buy low when he was sort of getting phased out for a little bit. Um, I don't know what the hell he is right now. He's, he's a play if he's starting, basically. Um, but he's no longer a buy low because he just got slotted in. Jalen Duran's out for a couple of weeks. We might see Bagley... We'll, I mean, we'll see. Just sort of stay tuned on that front, but that's the, the pivot here for Detroit. Wizards got blown out. All you can do is go into these ball games and hope the Wizards can actually maintain some sort of contact with the team they're playing against, and they most certainly did not here. So uh, the usuals were generally kind of bad. Kuzma had 21-9, which at least sort of salvaged the game, and everybody's going to be like, great, he scored so at 21 points, so that means everything's fine. Guess what, guys? Kuzma's down to number 93 in 9-cat now, mostly because the free throw percent is coming down just the way we knew it would. It was like one of the easiest calls ever. When he was top 60, I screamed, sell. When he was top 70, I yelled, sell. When he was top 75, top 80, I yelled, sell. Because guys at that stage of their career generally don't just magically flip a switch and percentages get better. It just doesn't happen. Unfortunately for Kuzma, and I like the fact that he's getting a lot of usage, but unfortunately for Kuzma, he's still running above his career norms in percentages. So there's still an opportunity for him to fall farther in 9-cat. I am also somewhat tired of arguing with folks on Twitter about what uh, Bilal Kulbali is this year and what he is. And I'm not going to just change my stance because he has a game where I, I don't even know. What are we saying this game was? This was, a, this was a serviceable result. Serviceable ain't good enough for me. 13 points is sub-league average. Eight rebounds is a positive. Four assists is just barely above league average. One steal, okay. One block, great. 
Okay, I like them both. Two threes. I mean, two threes is steal and a block. That's good. But he's also been shooting 50% at the free throw line. His turnovers are very high. He has all the makings of a future fantasy asset. How many times have I said that on this pod now? 20? He's not great yet. I think he's going to be pretty good. I don't know why we can't hold these two thoughts in our head at the same time. If you can afford to stash him, I still don't think that you have to. <laughs> he thought I was going to go a different direction with that one. I don't think there's a guarantee that Koulibaly is putting up nine cat stats, like solid enough nine cat stats this season. He's number 175 right now in about 27 minutes per game. When he's getting up near one near 30 minutes per game, he pushes inside the top 150, but barely. If the Wizards start pulling the plug on people, if Jordan Poole gets yanked, if Kuzma gets yanked, whatever, then you start to see enough shots. That's the thing that changes it. Kuliby's averaging six and a half shots a game right now. And 11 in this ballgame was certainly much closer to what you'd call sort of a nine-cat playable line. This was close to it, but the bad percentages and high turnovers is the thing that sort of weighing this one down. If he's getting 11 shots a ball game, he's probably startable on the head-to-head side consistently, but this isn't happening consistently. Roto, I, I don't know that he gets there ever this year. Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. Boo, say all of your friends. You start to sweat. Your friends turn on you. You're forced to go on a last-second drink run and end up missing the game-winning touchdown while in line. Oh, no. Terrifying, isn't it? Luckily, you can avoid the drama with Drizzly, the go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your watch party. Compare prices across multiple stores in your area, find the best deals on game day drinks, and get back to armchair quarterbacking from, you guessed it, your armchair. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. I shouldn't say ever because people are going to be like, wait, he said ever. And then he said this year after that, this year. I don't know that he gets there this year. I think he will be a fantasy play at some point in the future based on sort of the outlines of the fantasy game you can see. Because then these young guys, they start to fix their field goal percent. They maybe fix their free throw. The turnovers get better. The things that young players struggle with slowly improve. And you can already see there's the makings of some other stuff there. But I need him taking more than six and a half shots a ball game. I need to make sure he's actually on the floor for 30 minutes a night, which isn't the case necessarily in their competitive ball games. And they're still waiting on DeLon Wright to come back. So, same thing. Second verse, same as the first. I think Kelly Oubre is probably still worth a grab on the Sixers' side. I know he wasn't great in this ballgame. He only played 18 minutes, which is a downside. But this ballgame was also one of the most severe blowouts of the year. Top three blowouts, I think. So it's kind of hard to see who was going to get extra minutes. They're not going to run Kublai, Kublai, Kelly Oubre. How many names did I have to mush together for that one? Guys, I'm a little tired today. They're not going to rush Oubre into extra minutes when they don't have to right now as he works his way back from, again, this sort of nebulous car, bicycle, walk, pedestrian accident that we don't fully understand. But whatever, he was hurt. 
I still like him as the bench gunner, and in a game where they actually need any of that, he'll be quite useful. But this game was out of hand, so let's not read too much into it. Heat beat the Hornets, the zombie Heat. They're still missing Adebayo. They're still missing Tyler Hero. They're missing uh, Highsmith. Bits and pieces remain of this ball club. Duncan Robinson was great. Remember after he had the worst ball game of the entire year, I said, I know it's a very hard time for me to say he's still very much a stream, but he's very much a stream, and you know this is the, the sort of bounce-back effort there. Kevin Love has put up a couple of decent lines lately. I don't think I can bring myself to trust him. Caleb Martin has sort of jumped over Josh Richardson and Jaime Jaquez in terms of who you can trust as the fill-in power forward for this team. Not that Richardson was playing power forward, but call it like wingy, wingy fill-in, the non-Duncan Robinson ones. Uh, I still think Kyle Lowry's probably streamable while Tyler Hero's out. I still think Orlando Robinson is probably streamable while both Bam and Highsmith are out. And then I don't think I'm streaming uh, Haquez anymore. I do feel like I like the efficiency he put up in this ballgame, but the peripheral stats have completely fallen off a cliff. And I think some of that is just sort of the grind of an NBA game on a rookie. And he's starting to lose a little bit of the, the adrenaline, the Azar Thompson adrenaline. Perfect example of what, how you kind of saw that happen. And it, it happens to all these young guys. Unavoidable almost. That's why having a season to just bulk up in the NBA like Chet Holmgren has is actually turning out to be really good for his uh, stamina. On the Hornets' side, no Mark Williams, so Nick Richards seemed like he was going to be a really good start. He didn't do much in this one, but anytime Richards is the starting center, you play him because it balances out too good enough. Uh, and then the rest of the starters are uh, go. The one player that's kind of been back and forth for me is P.J. Washington who was just good enough in this ballgame, mostly because of the blocked shot, and like neither of his percentages was good, but neither was all that bad. I think PJ's a go in head-to-head. -head. I think Roto, I'm too nervous to spend a games cap on him right now, even though probably like it won't be bad. I just I feel like we can do better. Cavaliers had nothing in this ballgame. They shot 35% as a team. Uh, Donovan Mitchell was unfortunately part of the problem in this one. Darius Garland was quite good. He's been playing a lot better after his very slow start to the year. My good friend Max Struess finally had a bad ball game. He was sort of overdue for one clunker, but don't worry too much about it. It dropped him like 10 slots in rankings. Overall this year, he's been great. This was just a bad field goal percent ball game, and I wouldn't read too much into it. Uh, he also had foul trouble in the first half, and then, you know, sort of mixing and matching as the game went on. Jared Allen fouled out in 15 minutes. If you want to talk about a possible, like, one-night buy-low opportunity, this would be that opportunity. For the Magic, Goga Batadze now with two good ball games in a row. Every time I come on air and I say, ah, Goga and Mo Wagner have basically decided that neither one wants to do anything, then Goga's like, yes, I do, and he has one or two good games. I still think, in general, you can probably ignore the center battle while Wendell Carter Jr. is out for the Magic. But, as has been the case, Batadze is the better play between the two of them. He's number 102 on the season. He has a solid week, which he's in right now, and then he has an atrocious week, and that's kind of been happening for the last four weeks in a row. If you can figure out when one is going to happen versus the other, congratulations. I personally can't. This ballgame screamed 
difficult day for Goga, uh, but there was no Evan Mobley, and then Jared Allen picked up a bunch of fouls, and that sort of changed the way the ball game went. Better news on the Magic side, Jalen Suggs is back already. I did not expect that with the way he went down. Fire him up. If you got him, basically to uh, quote the great Rick Moranis in Spaceballs, smoke if you got him. Toronto, Dennis Schroeder had his first good ball game in a while. That'll push him back up the board. He was down outside the top 130. This moved him back to number 110 in 9-cat. Uh, and the big reason why, forget this, the points and assists, he's been able to do that most of the year. Uh, the steals, the four steals was a, a big float for him. OG Ananobi, a good ball game. Uh, certainly we expect more defensive stuff from him, but he's up to number 86 now. That's up about 25 slots from when we had him on the buy low board. That's good news. Uh, and that's it for Toronto. For the Knicks, I mean, every time I try to quit you, Josh Hart, you go and you put up a great ball game like this, and I just keep going back and forth. He's number 123 on the season, but he's also been better over the last month than the first month. Some of that was R.J. Barrett being out, though, and it's pretty, it's almost impossible, actually, at this point, to really grade out what Josh Hart is when R.J. Barrett is healthy. He's been on a heater lately, so that's sort of artificially inflating the numbers. Hart is number 67 over the last two weeks, but he's shooting 66%. That's not a sustainable number. If that 66% was more like 48, 49, 50, or something in that range, then his 7.3 shots, that doesn't do much damage. In a good way, I meant in this one. The two three-pointers come down, the points per game comes down, the field goal percent impact comes down, and he falls probably outside the top 100. So I think I'm going to stick with my valuation on Josh Hart, which is, yes, you can base, you can definitely play him on the head-to-head -head side. He's been good enough to do that if you need rebounds, sort of out-of-position rebounds, and generally better field goal percent than you get from most shooting guards. But overall, like, if I can I feel comfortable deploying him against the games cap on the Roto side, I don't. It makes me way too nervous. Now, a guy that I do feel comfortable deploying in Roto is Isaiah Hardenstein, who uh, just stepped into a fantastic spot. Mitchell Robinson's ankle situation turned out to be worse than expected. He's out for two months. Yikes. Uh, that makes Mitchell Robinson, by the way, very hard to hold if you don't have an open IL slot, for whatever that's worth. Um, I know it's really difficult to drop a center that had been performing well, but two months is a long time to sit on a guy if it's going to cost you zeros. You're probably sort of SOL on that one. But Hartenstein, I know he didn't start. I don't care. Jericho Sims started. When Sims is playing well, he's going to get this many minutes, 2021. Hartenstein is going to generally be soaking up the bulk of the minutes. He can more than put up fantasy value in 25-26 a ball game. Last year, we heard he was playing through some foot stuff. Sounds like Isaiah is healthy this year. He should be on every fantasy team because you got two months of probably top 100 or better. Um, and that's, a, that's a, a guy you want. You know, you're getting like a free eighth rounder basically out of this. Denver beat Atlanta. Julian Strother? Yeah, I didn't see that one coming. If you did, congrats. And if you think it's going to happen again, yeah. Uh, Denver is basically the starting five. Um, starters had some light shooting issues in this one outside of the 
you know, the main two, if you want to call them that. I guess, you know, Aaron Gordon shot the ball well, so sorry, Aaron. I didn't lump you in with everybody else. Jokic was good. Uh, Jamal Murray was good. Tweaked an ankle, then played through it. Hard to know if he's going to have to miss a game. Just, you know, this feels like it's sort of one of those years right now for Jamal, which is not that surprising after a championship run. Guys do tend to have weird follow-up seasons. Keep an eye on that. You might get a, you know, one-night stand at a Reggie Jackson kind of deal. Um, KCP, Michael Porter Jr. both shot the ball terribly. They'll presumably be better in the next one. Bogdan Bogdanovich, meanwhile, put up a 40-burger on the Atlanta side. That's, this is really something. He's having himself a dream season so far. He's number 42 in 9-cat, and just everything is going right. He's still getting a bunch of steals. He had 10 three-pointers in this game. That's ah, wild. And, of course, I'm against him in one of my only very rare head-to-head leagues. Of course. In any event, uh... It doesn't change much. He's still a sell high because you know at some point that knee's going to act up. It hasn't yet, so keep riding. But, I mean, right now, again, he's 42, and with every good game, what you can get back gets closer and closer to where he's at. Right now, you could probably get, like, a top 65 guy back for Bogdan Bogdanovich. You'd probably do it. But if he has two or three more good ball games, you could aim even higher. That's the dice roll, I guess. I can't tell you what to do exactly, but uh, I can tell you what to consider doing. I know, that's really planting my flag in that one. Hey, before we get to Chicago and Milwaukee, I want to quickly remind you guys that, uh, well, Hanukkah's still rolling right now, and Christmas is right around the corner. You guys should hang out with our pals at Manscaped.com. If you're wondering why I'm looking around, those that are watching, it's because I'm trying to find... There it is! I knew I had some Manscaped stuff that I could hold... A nice visual aid for all of us watching on YouTube. Here's the handyman. I don't have the lawnmower right next to me. That's actually in the bathroom right now. But this is the handyman, and there's no number on it because this is the first ever handyman iteration, and it's really it's wonderful. First of all, you can get it for 20% off and free shipping with our specialty coupon code. That's Ethos20. Here's the Manscaped. It's handheld, pocket, you know, like you really could legitimately slip it in your pocket. Top comes off like that. Pretty easy. It's actually slightly magnetized, so it stays on tight. You can watch me on YouTube. I slide it down, and then it just clicks right in there like that. Here, I'll hit the button on air. You can hear the nice... There it is. I don't need to use it today because I actually shaved my uh, my cheeks. That's what I tend to use this on, my facial cheeks. That's where you get a couple of, like, strays. My dad used to call them those the out-of-bounds hairs. Um, this thing's great. It's, a, it's an actual electric razor. It's affordable, and you can get it again for 20% off and free shipping with promo code ETHOS20 over at manscaped.com. They've been such a wonderful partner for us, so please do head on over there and check them out. Also, again, a reminder to come follow me on Twitter at Dan Bespris and hit that like button. Subscribe if you're new. I promise this stuff is going to be helpful for you. There's a reason that folks keep coming back, and it's because we are generally dunking on people. I had one... I think 2021 was not that great of a season uh, because all of the like slightly risky end of first, early second rounders didn't pan out. And that's where we often take a few swings. And so when that doesn't work, then I'm not going to have the greatest of teams. But uh, every other year that plan has worked. The old man squad is, is just destroying right now. So uh, keep coming back if you could by hitting like and subscribe, and, and hopefully we can hang out a bit more. 
no Alex Caruso for the Bulls. Obviously, no Zach Levine. He's out for a while yet, meaning that Kobe White's just going to keep destroying here while that's going on. DeMar DeRozan had 41 in this ballgame. Uh, that's going to make him a, a more difficult buy low and 11 assists. Vooch was fine, if unspectacular. Andre Drummond actually had a pretty good game off the bench, but you're not going to read too much into that. Uh, Torrey Craig fouled out in 29 minutes, and I, I sort of use all of those little data points to, to note again that Patrick Williams, when Levine and Caruso are both out, he's probably playable in all formats. When only one of those two guys is out, specifically Zach Levine, He's sort of sitting right on the borderline and makes more sense as kind of a stash to see what happens to the Bulls. The problem right now is that this morning a report came out that the Bulls are now looking for win-now players, which, okay, does that mean that they're going to sit on Zach Levine all of a sudden? um, It's weird. Let's just, let's call it weird. Um... That also means that if they trade Zach Levine, they're looking to get NBA-level talent back, not picks and throwaways. That's not great news for the stash appeal of Patrick Williams. It's definitely not good news for the stash appeal of Io Sunmu. And unfortunately, and he's rolling right now, it's also not great news for Kobe White if they bring back somebody who you know, is a point guard, shooting guard type. Not that they're going to take his job or anything, but anybody that comes back would be bad news for everybody because you just create more log jamminess that's a thing that's a real word i'm sure of it anyway just keep an eye on it uh the patrick williams stash appeal did kind of decrease a little bit this morning though uh and i think we have to be honest with ourselves on that one for the bucks uh the only thing i wanted to point out in this bucks game because you guys know my feel on bobby portis he's uh, a points rebounds only guy which means he's not really playable in most formats head-to-head schedule stream the actual thing I wanted to point out was Chris Middleton getting 33 minutes, and I hope that doesn't break his body, but perhaps he's ready to be more than a headache? We're only two months into the season. Maybe now? I'm so glad we dodged him everywhere. Thank the good Lord. Bucks got pretty lucky in this ballgame. They were able to win it with Damian Lillard have a, having a terrible, terrible game. Dame's a little bit of a buy low right now, actually, shooting only 42% from the field. That's a number that I do think ticks up, especially when it sort of comes after this ball game. So he's sort of at a lull in field goal percent. Most of the time, he's going to be much better than this. And so I don't know what it would take to get him, but I might try. Pelicans beat the Wolves. Pels are, not surprisingly, better with C.J. McCollum back. Here's your... Surprise, surprise. I know the Lakers thumped them in the in-season tournament, but overall, this team is much more dangerous. Um, Don't give them too much credit. Certainly, Minnesota was without their best player. Anthony Edwards is back out again with that hip issue. Nas Reed is a stream of Molly's super hot right now. Absolutely, that continues. We're into week two of the Nas Reed mega stream. Uh, Rudy Gobert slowed back down. Don't worry too much about that. Carl Anthony Towns fouled out. And we're back in a situation where the Pelicans are basically at start the starters. And then Trey Murphy, I think, does still belong as a stash. Because typically, up to in his few games back, he's been getting enough shots to just barely have all formats value. But I've said it before and I'll say it again. All of his value last year, all the good we saw, came when stars were out. This is really 
four times last year the Pelicans were healthy. This is really the first time we're getting a chance to look at this team fully healthy in like 13 months. And therein lies the rub. Trey Murphy doesn't rebound or pass all that much. He's basically an efficient three-point specialist who gets a defensive stat every once in a while. Is that going to be enough? I think the answer is still barely yes. But I also don't think that he has the runway, at least again, while the team's healthy, to get anywhere near where he got last year. And that's that sort of up and down of the whole situation. Oh, the Spurs. Your clever tanking does not amuse us. Wemby started at the five again. He's just racking up blocks right now. 18 rebounds, five blocks for Wembenyama. That's pretty amazing. Not so great for everybody else in this ballgame. Uh, Devin Vassell was very bad. Um, Jeremy Sohan was very, very bad. Malachi Branham was, I guess, fine. Keldon Johnson was okay. Shot awfully from the field, but at least he did his free throws and had four steals to kind of float his value. Zach Collins, who actually played well coming off the bench in the last ballgame, did nothing off the bench in this one. Trey Jones had a bunch of minutes in their last ballgame. He only got 16 and a half in this one. Oh, it's ugly, man. It's ugly in Spurs Town. It's uh, Wembenyama versus the universe right now. So Wemby's doing fine. He's number 27. His big rebound and blocks games are sort of pushing him back up the board. He had fallen outside the top 40 prior to the last couple at center, uh, Zach Collins is now outside the top 160. I think you probably hang on a little bit longer to see if they drop him back into the starting lineup. But if he's not in there for a couple of games and he's really only going to get, like, I mean, this this felt like a an outlier in number of minutes on the low side. But if he it really does only end up in, like, the 23-24 range, that won't be enough. So hold a little bit longer, but not indefinitely. And you guys know my feeling on most of these guys. When they have a good ball game, I think you try to sell. Because, again, there's so much tankage going on. There's so many guys with inefficiency going on. Devin Vassell is now number 113 in 9-cat. You can yell at me all you want. I like Devin Vassell as a basketball player, but from a fantasy standpoint, his free throw percent holds him back. His lack of rebounding and not that many assists kind of holds him back. The steals I'd love to see get a little bit higher. And it's possible maybe his minutes do trend up because he's been sort of like on and off the uh, injured list. I just don't think there was ever a chance that he got into that 60 range as the team's currently constructed. I avoided almost everyone in the Spurs. I had a couple of Zach Collinses because I figured, all right, why not draft him at like 110 and see what happens? And for a while, it looked like it was going to be a win. Now with all the tankage going on, I don't know if it is anymore. Yuck. I keep saying the same thing about this purse, and that is basically the word yuck. Tyree Eason, 26 and a half minutes. He had 18 and 14, two steals, two three-pointers. If we had any kind of guarantee that this dude was going to get 25 or more minutes a night, he'd be an auto-add. And frankly, I think you should check your wire to see if he's available because he's one of those guys where you kind of want to be out in front of it if it's going to start to stick. I have no guarantee that it will. This is the most minutes he's played in any ballgame all year. Uh, previous high was 22 minutes against the Thunder two games before this one. But he has a great rebounding rate. He has a solid defensive stat rate. I think in a prudent universe, we could wait one more game to see if it happens again and then make the ad. But fantasy leagues are not always prudent. Meaning, if you need to get out in front of it, you should probably try to get out in front of it. If you think you can hold off and it'll be okay... 
then, okay, that's the choice you make on that one. Boy, Dallas is banged up, aren't they? Derek Jones Jr. went down six minutes into this one. Um, we'll see if he's back quickly. Uh, he was on his way to seemingly a pretty good ball game, but we'll never know. Kyrie is out. Grant Williams was still out. Josh Green was still out. Maxi Kleba's still out. Now Derek Jones is out. Meaning, Luka's obviously a start. We're back to sort of Luka lifting an entire team onto his shoulders, which... Great short-term. Nah, it's a great long-term. Derek Lively is an obvious play. He's amazing right now. Um, Jaden Hardy got to play for the first time basically all year. Seth Curry got the start, but only played 20 minutes. We're at a point now, though, where the team's so thin that you can probably stream Curry for threes and Dante Exum for some stuff in a bunch of different things. Because Exum's played well for two, two and a half ball games now. And unless a couple guys come back for Dallas, it feels like there's enough space for him to be a play. Our last show on Sunday, I said I don't think I could add Exum because I thought Derek Jones would play, obviously, an entire ball game here. And I thought that Grant Williams might be back, but he wasn't. And I don't know that he will be in the next one. Maybe. Even then, he probably slots in now and takes the Derrick Jones Jr. minutes. So we're like just barely injured enough for Dante Exum to be playable. If one more guy comes back, like if Derrick Jones Jr. is back and Grant Williams is back, then you probably have to be careful. Or if Kyrie Irving shows up, then you got to be careful. But it seems like we might see these guys all out again, and it feels like Grant is the closest to coming back. Again, just kind of half reading tea leaves and half guessing. So Exum's probably going to be playable for at least one ball game now. Anywho, uh, Grizzlies side. Jerry Jackson Jr., he's coming, man. He's on the rise. Maybe he's getting excited about Ja being really close to coming back, but he's moved himself into the 60s. Remember, he bottomed out outside the top 100. I'm not sure that anybody on the Grizz needs to be rostered besides... Uh, uh, Jackson and Desmond Bain, at least in terms of healthy Grizzlies, I should say. Santi Aldama is the closest. I've said that before. I'm repeating myself. I know. But even he only played 20 minutes. The good thing, at least with Aldama, is that he has a pretty well-rounded fantasy game. He gets steals. He gets blocks. He gets threes. He sometimes gets boards and assists. Not many boards in this one. Dallas was uh, hitting a lot of shots. You can hang on to Aldama if you want. I don't think it's necessary. Marcus Smart's close. Jai is close. Those are probably the guys you're looking at uh, in terms of, you want to call it stashes, I guess, right now. Let's keep going. Utah. Hey, Keontae George had a good ball game. And look, I love it. It's fun. It's wonderful. Uh, it's, you know, it's good news. It's going to uh, make his past week's numbers look playable, which, by the way, they're still outside the top 140. Um, 17 and 7 are the averages over that stretch, but not many defensive stats, low field goal, low free throw, high turnovers. Like, you got to be good in more than two, two and a half things to be a nine-cap player. But this isn't the poop on Keontae George hour. You guys know how I feel. I think he's someone that's going to be really interesting in February or March. I feel more strongly about him being interesting in February and March than I do some of the other rookies we talked about earlier in today's show. 
mostly because George seems to be a pretty good assist guy. And that's a way that you can kind of float your value, but you got to get the percentages fixed. And they were in this ball game, but that actually, unfortunately, probably means that he's due for a really bad one to balance it out because he's not there yet. One good ball game doesn't make you there. I wish he was, but we know enough about how basketball works to know that it, it's up and down. It's a sine wave. He'll have a good game. He'll have a bad game. And with guys like him, rookies learning the game, they're going to be more bad than good. And then it's going to slowly work its way towards the midline. He's, he's dashing in a lot of places. I get it. I think I've said before, you can probably play him head-to-head side and just hope that he doesn't tank you in a given week. Roto, if you could guess which day is going to be the good one, have at it. But I don't think he needs to be stashed on Roto yet because there are guys out there that are giving you consistent top 90 or better type numbers. Now, if your team's been incredibly healthy this year, congratulations, you're the luckiest person on earth. But if your team's been incredibly healthy, then... Okay, fine, you're probably running ahead of the game's cap. Then you can basically just treat him like an injured player. Jordan Clarkson's been back for two games. He's been horrible in both. I've been talking about Clarkson for two years, and still nobody believes me that he's not a fantasy play. Walker Kessler was out. Kelly Olynyk was back. Uh, I mean, honestly... If I had heard Olenek was starting, I probably would have picked him up. So maybe it was a good thing I was at Disneyland yesterday. If Olenek starts the next one, I might go with it? Yeah, he got the bad one out of the way here. That's the way we'll look at it. Nothing on Oklahoma City, so let's keep going. Brooklyn at Sacramento. The Kings hit 25 three-pointers in this game. Five apiece for Fox and Lyles. Four apiece for Monk and Keegan Murray. You're just not going to lose if you hit 25 three-pointers in the modern NBA. There's literally nothing the other team can do if the threes are dropping at that clip. I mean, that was like what the Lakers did in the in that Pelicans in-season tournament game. If you're just hitting all your threes, you're going to win. There's literally nothing the other team can do. It's actually part of what makes betting the modern NBA harder than it was six, seven years ago. Because there are going to be games where you think you've got your handicap all right and a team's just going to shoot 55% from downtown and they're going to hit 17 or more three-pointers and that team's just going to win in a blowout no matter what. All that said, um, because this was sort of a semi-blowout, the minutes weren't perfect, but they were close. And I think we can make a few claims on this game. One claim we can make is that Cam Thomas has cooled off. He got off to a very hot start this year. I think people were feeling like he was just going to shoot, you know, high 40s all season. And uh, sadly, that's not the case. Now, he's a great points specialist at this point. Free throws, too. He's also a bit of a buy low uh, because he's going to go through these lulls of terrible shooting outside the top 200 because of field goal percent volume. If you're punting field goal percent, then you can just disregard basically everything here. But uh, again, this show is tailored towards nine cat. Uh, and you buy low, and then when he gets hot, and he'll do it for a couple of weeks, his heaters tend to last and his cold stretch tend to... They're not, it's not like one game at a time with him. It's usually like a week or two at a time. And then you try to sell off when someone's looking at him score 35 points a night for four games in a row. Then you sell him off. I don't think I had any other notes on the Nets. I feel like I'm forgetting something here. For the Kings, we knew Keegan Murray was going to get cooking at some point. This is just the beginning, friends. 
Malik Monk just keeps trending up. Slow start to the year, but he's going now. And then Trey Lyles is uh, more of a deep league guy, but he had a big ball game here. You can probably just chuck that sucker out the window. And we will move to, at long last, the final game on the card from last night. Anthony Simons, ladies and gentlemen. And we knew he was going to have to do a ton because Jeremy Grant is out. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon is out. DeAndre Ayton is out. 23 more shots for Simons and 13 free throws. I only drafted him in one spot, and it's more of a points league type format. And I am, the Yiddish term is cavelling over Ant right now. Uh, 38 points, five threes, four assists, and a perfect 13 out of 13 from the free throw line. He's been great in all formats, by the way. Uh, again, small, small sample size. He's hitting, he hasn't missed a free throw, and I think he's something like, what is he, like 25 or tw 26 out of 26 or 25 out of 25 or something right now. He's a very good foul shooter, but he's not, nobody shoots a thousand. Uh... I do still think that four three-pointers a game is not out of the realm of possibility for him because it's not like he's shooting the ball exceptionally well from the field. He's going to have a ton of usage this year, and he's making up for lost time. A little bit of a sell high, but I don't know that anybody believes it. Shaden Sharp is very much a sell high. Um, we've talked about his efficiency issues, but they don't matter when he's get, able to play 40-plus minutes a game and take 15 to 20 shots a night. So, sell. Uh, Scoot Henderson, solid ball game off the bench here. Uh, like a lot of the rookies, you'll get these individual games where they look like it's all figured out, and then it's going to come apart again. You know, Humpty Dumpty repeat until all of a sudden they, they start to figure it out, and then it clicks. And every one of these games is just a little reminder of what will be in the future. Scoot's going to be an outstanding fantasy player, but this one ball game doesn't make him that now. Could you stash him? Be a difficult ride. You could. I'm not. Uh, but could. I think the safer play here for 9-cat at least is Matisse Thibel, who was not as good in this ballgame, but when he's playing 30 minutes, you're usually going to get two, three defensive stats or more out of him and some three balls. Uh, Tumani Kamara, he continues to be close, but not quite at fantasy value, and hopefully we see somebody come back for the Blazers in the next ballgame. But if not, uh, that's this the way they've been going. Clippers, uh, I keep getting this Norman Powell tease. 25 minutes, he had a good ball game here. I still think probably the end result on Norm is schedule play. And then otherwise, you know, good stuff, basically. Play the Blazers, you're going to put up a bunch of points. That's good for fantasy. If you want to know where everybody sits right now, Kawhi Leonard is up to number 13 on the year. Ta-da! Just a matter of time. He's also played in 22 ball games. Everybody eat it. Everybody eat it. Kawhi's number 10 by totals. This dude is getting drafted in the late 20s, early 30s in some spots. And if you really want to feel silly for not taking James Harden when he was going in the 60s, uh, he's number 25 per game right now, and he's all the way up to 17 ball games played, which is more than a lot of guys who were supposedly healthy to start the year. Harden's cooking. Paul George is number 16. Uh, he sort of leveled off in the second round, which seems fine. Ivica Zubac is playing big minutes right now. Uh, Daniel Tice came back from injury in this one. This is one of those ebb and flows for Zoo, who we knew was going to be helped by uh, Russ being around and by Harden being around. Like, don't don't buy too much into Zubac's hot runs. He's up to 126. You're not going to be able to sell him because nobody's going to buy, but he's a guy you can play when he's hot, which is kind of what's happening right now. That's, you know, one of those 
newer lessons for this year that I've tried to incorporate more so into this season, which is it's okay to play a guy while they're hot, even if they're not a rest of season play. Even if there isn't any magical, like, there's a guy out in front of them, and that's why they're playing well right now. Zubats is just running hot, so play him. That's okay. Uh, not going to do a, a Tuesday preview um, because I think we've basically covered the entire league right now. I do want to take um, a few quick looks at the chat room just to see if anybody got uh, a point in there that I'd like to address or respond to. Many of you at the beginning said you enjoyed the story, so I appreciate that. I know it's not going to be everybody, but every once in a while, I'm just going to talk about my own life. It's, I, you know, I'm human, and I'm very tired today, and that's that's when the stories come out. Uh, here's a good one. It's, this is about Hartenstein. Uh, a lot of, of Hartenstein questions, basically. Um, should, this is an answer, actually, to a question that up above, this person says, should Hartenstein, he should be similar to Mitch Robb. Um, what do I think about Hartenstein is probably the, the better question for me to ask. When he was healthy prior to New York, he actually had stretches of top 70. When he, and it wasn't even full starters minutes. It was like 26, 27 minutes a game. And he was going inside the top 70. Sometimes he even crept up as high as top 60. I don't know that that's necessarily going to be the case in New York. Just the way they play, the fact that he is off the bench behind Jericho Sims, so there are going to be some games where, like, if Sims is going crazy hot, he'll get 25-26, and then Hartenstein gets bumped down to, like, 21. I do think, overall, he does have a pretty good chance to get inside the top 100. That's kind of where I land with it. He'll be a good field goal guy, a bad free throw guy. He gets steals and blocks and rebounds. One of the things that he does well that might not really happen in New York is passing. That's the part where you're like, okay, that, you know, in the past I've seen Hartenstein be as good as a top 60. That's what we were just talking about a minute ago. But he's not going to be a ball mover on the interior here in New York the way that he was, like, say, with the Clippers. Remember with the Clippers, they were using him out of the high post to just get the ball to Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. The Knicks have multiple guys that they trust to make the pass. Jalen Brunson, uh, Emmanuel Quickly when he's playing. Josh Hart is a ball mover. Julius Randle starts a lot of offense. There's just too many of those types of guys, either ball movers or usage guys on the Knicks. So Hartenstein's value is unfortunately not going to be in the assists. He's not going to get four assists a game like he did at other... Well, I don't know if he ever quite got to four, but, you know, three plus, three to four. He's going to be lower than that. So it's going to have to be rebounds, defensive stats, and field goal percent. And I think there's going to be enough of that for him to be a start over the next two months. But I don't want us to get too high on him. <laughs> a lot of questions about Disneyland. I do appreciate them, guys. I do. I, I don't want to use too much more time on that, though. Um, Let's see. What do we got here? Is Garland back as a third rounder? Um... Uh, so he's number 79 on the season right now, and he was outside the top 130 for a while. But a lot of that was the turnovers. He's a second rounder over the last week while shooting 52% with two steals a game. I think the, the likeliest scenario for Darius Garland is what we got last year, which was a late fourth, early fifth. His numbers were good, 22 points, 8 assists. 
two and a half three pointers, good free throw numbers. Like he's going to be good, but his turnovers are going to be high. Uh, steals are decent. Field goal percent is probably going to be a net negative. He doesn't block any shots at all. He doesn't rebound at all. So I, I just don't know how he ever gets up to that next rung as long as as long as long Donovan Mitchell is upright. You know, if Donovan Mitchell goes down and Garland starts taking 20 shots a ball game every night, then yeah, that's how he jumps to that next level. And uh, how many shots did, did Darius get in this ugly ball game uh 23 so this is there's your example of like this is what it looks like when he gets the big usage role on a night it's it's glorious but it's not gonna happen every ball game most of the time spide is gonna be the guy there so i think between let's say between 35 and 55 is where garland probably goes the rest of the season does he get all the way to that mark hard to say because his first you know four or five weeks he was he got off to a really slow start but he could probably still get there uh and that's kind of what i'm looking for with garland um let's see anything else that i want to hit before we go um Denbird says come on dan harden was not going in the 60s nay i say to that i did a uh i did a handful of drafts at the very last second like I think I did one actually on the very last Monday and I was blown away at how everyone just kept dodging and dodging and dodging and I legitimately got James Harden at 58 which I know is not 60s I'm aware that's two slots away so my apologies for rounding but I got him at 58 and if I didn't take him there I don't know. There's no guarantee that the guy behind me would have taken him. There was just no way I was going to let him go into the next one. Like, if I had waited, my next pick would have been, what, like 62 or 63? I'm screwing up the math here. Uh, 62? Dan can do math. Um, Would he have gotten back to me at 62 just so that I could really say he went in the 60s? I wasn't willing to take that chance. Uh, But he was basically at 60, which is nuts. I know it's nuts. And I couldn't believe it either, but it actually happened. Uh, And then I showed this roster on Twitter, and people were like, oh, my God, your team is so old. They're going to be awful. Uh, Nope. This team's pretty good. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. There's one team in front of me. I'm in second place in that Roto League. uh, And the team in front of me is like 10 games ahead. So it's hard for me to say if I'm going to catch them. Uh, But that team has Jokic and Tyrese Maxey, so they're also, a like, they got some pretty good players at the top. Um, it's going to be a good battle. That team has some really good picks, too. So we'll, we'll be duking it out, I'm sure, down the stretch. We roll out that Roto League. I know, it's nuts. I, his Dem Bird says that's wild. I know. It's absolutely wild. I actually saw it happen right before my eyes, and it's happening, and he's sitting there, and I, I can still remember the feeling of, like, sitting in this draft room, and, you know, this is a public league, so I don't know who the hell these people are. But I'm, like, looking around me like it's going to change something. Like, I'm looking behind me like if like something's about to jump up and scare me. And there he is just sitting there. 45, 50, 55. What are these people doing? I get it. He's on the trade block. But, like, a worst-case James Harden is 35. Worst. Anyway, he's mid-second rounder now. So, or early late-second rounder. Soup's on, baby. All right. 
Wrapping it up. I got 55 minutes in this vocal cord after yelling at Disneyland all day yesterday. Uh, I want to try to get a buy low show going later on today. Time dependent. But if nothing goes nuts, I have a babysitter. So it should happen. Again, please do find me over on social at Dan Baspers. Come hang out with us in Discord. I forgot to yell at you guys about that earlier. We're having a ball over there. The NBA general channel is cooking, man. It's cooking. We had like, what are we, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. There are literally nine questions that people are asking each other since I started recording this podcast in that channel, which I know doesn't sound like a lot, but that's like a question every five or six minutes, and then everybody's voting on it. Everybody gets to vote. You got to give it, it's got to make it multiple choice because people are not going to like type in a long answer every time, but you make that sucker multiple choice. You'll get some votes. It's a great way to crowdsource your uh, NBA decision-making with people that follow Sports Ethos, myself, uh, and all the, the rest of our incredible minds here. People that have been following us for a long time, you guys are really, really good at fantasy basketball. Give yourselves a lot of credit. Like, there's a reason that I joined public leagues. Because I don't want to play against you guys with my information to use against me, which feels sort of unfair. Uh, but also, like... If I want to be in eight or nine leagues, I don't want to. I don't have to work super hard in all of them. Maybe a couple, like two, two leagues should be really hard. I know I'm a wimp. Anyway, uh, hopefully see you guys in a few hours. Thanks for watching, everybody. Um, oh wait, last question here. Adam asks in Roto, how do you catch up in games played? Um, there's some streaming to do at the end of the year. Certainly, as as you get into silly season, you can pick up some weirdos to drop into your lineup. But honestly, there's just this like ebb and flow I've, i know i've used that expression two or three times today but that's the way the season goes you'll have stretches where you have 12 or 13 dudes healthy on your team and you want to play them all and you play them uh and then there'll be stretches where you have six guys hurt at the same time and you'll fall behind you don't want to fall behind by more than like 10 15 games against the like the expected number and yahoo does a good job of showing that down in the the sort of bottom corner of the screen on the pc um but there are a lot of ways to make up ground, and, and one of them is uh, picking up injury replacements as they come. Okay, now I'm done for real. We went an hour. That's enough. See you guys later today. Thanks again for watching. Please like and subscribe on your way out. That makes a really big difference. Hugs and kisses. Later, everybody. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.